And we're back. Ah, welcome to The Dice Are Screaming with Michael Hanna and Randy Patton. Your ever-present uh, <laughs> outdated gamers. And speaking of outdated, today's topic is old-school attitudes towards gaming uh, carried into an entirely new era of games and gaming itself. Uh, Forty years past uh, <laughs> our first encounters with games, things look really different now. There are entirely different expectations and entirely different wants and needs from players. Uh, so, while we're not laying down the law because, well, we're in no way qualified to do anything that significant, uh, it's just us talking ideas, uh, you know, how we look at games and gaming uh from a perspective of people who were there when it first caught on and are still here enjoying the hobby. Yeah, there were a lot of changes that happened in our time. I mean, gaming went from primarily just rolling the dice, entering a dungeon, uh, making your character, doing the basics of just basically making your character exist. And then developing a world to go along with those characters and the story that may have unfolded through play or ideas. Like, for instance, character background is a, sometimes a contentious issue. And while last week we talked about uh, death in gaming, which is the finality, we discussed at length about why resurrections and raised deads are there, because it's no small matter. You know, the early days of gaming were fraught with a lot of peril when you entered your dungeon for the first time. That whole environment that was invented to facilitate play, primarily taking place in a labyrinth, wizard's lair, or underground uh, maze. You know, however it was, it was a legendary adventuring environment where there was always danger at every turn, so you had to be real careful, make your choices. But uh, gaming has kind of expanded to make Death a little less meaningful characters are, nowadays are a little sturdier than they were in those first editions. <laughs> and, you know, we have a lot of tools available to us to make the characters not only sturdy, but also immersed into their environment. Yeah, it has changed a lot. Uh, I, I'm not necessarily proud of the, the origins of uh, some of gaming's experiences. Uh, for instance, perfect example of the uh, don't get attached to that character uh, issue. Boot Hill. Original <laughs> edition. Okay? Yeah. Just bring your... Uh, don't even bother with character sheets. You better just bring a lot of paper and pencil and erasers because uh, it's a waste of copiers time. Uh, it, at a dime a copy back in the day, you were just breaking the bank throwing those characters out. Uh, one wrong hit, and boom. Okay, number three is up. Uh, and that has radically changed. Uh, you know, there, there is a lot more wiggle room that gives you the opportunity to build a character and then run with it all the way to the end, to the, the glorious finale or the, the season climactic ending mm -hmm. episode, so to speak. Uh, 
and I don't think that's a bad thing. No, no, I think that having a good setting to explore and uh, and develop your characters in, making it a stronger appeal, like the literary roots that they come from. You know, uh, Conan uh, wandered all over the Hyborian world. Uh, Token's world was deep in legend and myth and things that had been forgotten and then come back to haunt the modern era. I mean, those are things that really gave an echo of, like, a deep past. Like, there was a prehistory here. Forgotten Realms. Oh, yeah. Another example where things were going on without you. Yeah. Uh, the world is moving at its own pace, and you just happen to be in it, discovering what all's going on out there. You, you, yeah. You're a stranger in a strange land. Uh, which, also a great book. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that... Bringing a campaign place to life... Uh, was also a part of old school, too. I mean, it was present there, at least at some tables. Um, and I'm not going to poo-poo the, like, let's gear up some, you know, we're, we're throwing around some six-siders until we've got some stats, and then we're just going in there and we're tearing some stuff up. Uh, those were some very fun sessions, too. Yeah. Uh, I have no regrets. Against the giants, you know. Yeah, and... <laughs> uh, there was not a lot of treaty talk in Against the Giants. No. <laughs> uh, you knew what you were there to do. Uh, you know, exterminate the giant infestation. Uh, it might as well have been an alternate working title for that uh, adventure set. But uh, to move back to the old school idea, the old school approach, if, if I can say there was one thing that I would think it was me having an old-school approach to games, there was a certain egalitarianism regarding uh, systems uh, and different games. It was very mm -hmm. much a uh, spirit of adventure. I may have a favorite, but I'm open to anything. You know, bring it uh, in your yeah. face. Oh, you got a brand new box set of uh, Gamma World? Well, then it's Mutants and Mayhem tonight. Yep. Uh, yeah, that to me, that was an old-school attitude, and I think that's one that definitely has a place in new games. Yeah. But if people could get that and not just lock in on, well, I'm a person who does this, and I don't do other things. Oh, man, you're just robbing yourself, because it is, um, it is a smorgasbord out there. There is all kinds of fun waiting to happen. Yeah. Um, let's see. Well, let's talk about the things that make old school sometimes contentious, like wandering monsters. Oh, that's right. Sometimes people uh, have issued some complaints about the, the idea of the random encounter that has nothing to do with the adventure or dungeon and just pops up out of nowhere and tears apart your hit points yeah. and your plans. Well, you know, men make plans and the gods laugh. You know? You know, it, it's it's... The wandering monster is kind of a reflection of that attitude. Uh, because it really is a random element. And sometimes it can be just as annoying as a few orcs, or it could be a basilisk wandering the halls of the dungeon or a gelatinous cube, you know. That, uh, you know, those make sense. But then also, um, to focus a little bit, a lot of good wandering monster tables were geared specifically for that particular setting or locale. Gave it a certain flavor and also... 
sometimes give you a little extra treasure or boost, you know, to uh, your equipment or supplies, you know, because they could all, wandering monsters didn't always have treasure, but they could, like a gelatinous cube could, you know, have something like a potion of healing contained from a hapless adventurer paralyzed and dissolved. Yeah, a handful of gems that wound up being right. entrapped within it, uh, or... I noticed in some of the old school modules, the uh, the early uh, first edition D and D modules, that they had in most of them customized uh, encounter charts mm-hmm. that were specific to that locale near that adventures yeah. uh, epicenter. So you might be heading for a dungeon, but there were very specific things that might interrupt your path. I never really thought of that as a downside, so I. You know, I, I can't say I perceive uh, the random encounter as a negative. Uh, I always thought it, it, it threw an element of what we were speaking of with uh, a world that exists outside yourself where things are going on. Right. And not all of them are your level. <laughs> Sometimes you have to learn how to uh, get out of a situation that, you know, well, sometimes running away. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, retreat. Yeah, a group of fourth levelers versus, oh, random Weirvin pack. Oh, uh, or yeah. Wyvern. Uh, they're, <laughs> that's, you exercise your own judgment carefully on that one. You may not, I mean, sure, the hides might be worth something, but, yeah. Uh, do you really want three player characters down before you get to the dungeon? Yeah. Sometimes, just walk away. No shame. And another thing about the old school is there was always a sanctuary. Like, if it were on keeping the borderlands, the, the castle. The bolt hole. Someplace you could lock up and heal for a while. Now, that was another old school. And, you know, you had wandering encounters to and fro the caves of chaos. And, and woe betide ye if that random encounter happens to be the ogre. Oh. <laughs> Bane of all first level players in the Keep of the Board. Or the Minotaur out hunting. Oh boy. Oh. Hey, a Minotaur has probably got more kills than a Syrac. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Syrac, if you're listening. Yes. Uh, Demi-Lich, uh, you may indeed be mighty and terrible, but those first level players did not know what they were getting into on that random encounter chart. Uh, so yeah, there's some merit. That's, that's a moment where DM fiat comes in. Uh, exercise your own judgment as a DM. If you look at that encounter chart and you're like, what? Half a dozen owlbears? <laughs> um, these player characters are going to be nothing but owlbear poop out in the middle of the woods. Like, Holy literally. cow, who knew it was going to be owlbear mating season? Yeah, I, Exercise your own judgment and nerf it. Have no shame. Uh, it doesn't always have to be absolutely by the book. Yeah, you are the... And here's the thing that we'd like to make clear, is that as the DM, Game Master, whatever, you are the ultimate arbiter of the dice. The screen is there for a reason. Now, some people like to have the screen out. Some people say, well, you know, I like to let everybody see what the dice roll, so I'm not killing you the dice are. And that's fair. Either approach is very valid. But... Sometimes you need to have that little discretionary element to exercise in your favor, to keep the campaign moving forward, and also fresh. Who says that if you encounter the Minotaur, he attacks? Maybe he just catches scent of you and he's on to something else. The mere sight of a Minotaur can often chill the blood of low-level characters. As well it should. Uh, And 
that is an authentic old school trait. I mean, here's one that I would, uh, in addition to the enthusiasm regarding any game that hits the table, uh, the other one would be not being inhibited in your own creativity. Uh, the sky's the limit. And when you're the DM or game master, uh, you're the interpreter of that campaign. And everything in that is subject to your yay or nay. Uh, and let's face it, most of the developers also understood that going in. I mean, there were sections of the original DM guide devoted to explaining how to start bending the rules, altering the campaign setting, and building your own worlds. Uh, the encouragement of creativity is old school itself. I mean, that, for me, was just the defining moment where they just took the leash off and said, hey, run with it. Your ideas are as good as ours. Uh, and that was an amazing feeling if you were 13 or 14 and reading these books, you know, to just have somebody who you would never meet um, give you that kind of blessing and just say, yeah. hey, look, we made this. Uh, and we hope you enjoy it. But here's a few ideas on hey, maybe taking something you like and making it a part of your game. Uh, man, that's old school. And that is old school to do it yourself, I think. And, you know, while we've covered this pretty well, that you're the one in charge of the Game Master Dungeon Master, also listen to your players. That's a big thing right there. Feedback is always important. Your players are excited at the end of each game, you're doing your job right. And that's the most important thing to come away yeah. with, is understanding that your role is not just a storyteller or rules arbitrator or text reader, but an almost an entertainer. Yeah, if you've got players who came away entertained, maybe not uh, from getting magical items or winning the big fight, uh, if they were entertained and engaged the entire time, even when they suffered setbacks... You nailed it. Uh, and that applies to any system, any game. You know, it's it's entertainment, it's fun, it's a hobby. And if you're listening to your players and watching their reactions, you know, seeing how they... What level of engagement are you getting from them? And if you have a high level of player engagement and they keep coming back to the table, then yeah, more power to you. Uh, I can't critique that at all. Uh, just watch out for those things that if you're diminishing people's enjoyment of the game, uh, yeah, then it's time to retool. It's not an insult to your abilities. It, you know, it, it's something that is a learning curve. And everybody who has been an old school DM had that learning curve, including us, which, by the way, Randy, to this day, I'm still sorry about those bone snappers in that pit. Sorry, man. Yeah, it's no, alright. It, it happened. Uh, I just wondered if we, you know, I'd done something that week. <laughs> was something about that buck I owed you for pizza at lunch? No. Jeez. No. No, that was a DM miscalculation, and I'll own it like a real trooper. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, well, that brings us, I think, to the end of our Tuesday episode. Yeah. I'm sorry to see you all go. Uh, yeah. It's been a pleasure. I'm going to keep bringing these to you and keep listening. Make sure you like and follow us. Also, uh, you can get a hold of me at 
Death Hand Gaming, that's D-E-T-H-A-N-D, Gaming, on Twitter. And, of course, you can go to our WordPress blog, The Dice Are Screaming. And, uh, Mike, you're at uh, Vox Magi on Twitter? Yes, Vox Magi on Twitter. Yep, so get a hold of us there if you have any questions or concerns, or something you'd like us to talk about. We're more than happy to hear from you all, and, of course, leave a voice message if you want to. That would be cool, and, uh, you know, we're going to keep coming at these, so just keep on listening and hitting us with a like button. So we're going to sign off here, but we'll see you Friday. So have a good week, and may the dice ever roll in your favor. Until next time, we're out. Take care. <laughs>